I am your host, Lucas McCann. With me today, Elizabeth Morris, Director of Brand Engagement at Kerr. I will pass the mic over to you, Elizabeth, because clearly you have a better understanding of what it is that you do. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, your role, and how you found associations. Yeah, um, well, it's Kerr. It's Council on Undergraduate Research. Yeah, I am the Director of Brand Engagement, just a fancy word for saying marketing director. I get to say no to things when people say you should put a message out there, and I'm like, mm. Nope, doesn't go with the brand. And I made the brand myself, so it works. Oh, wow. Um, and how did I find associations? Well, I worked in the corporate world for many years, about five. So I guess not many, but enough to know. Um, and I came to work one day and I just said, what am I doing? I have no purpose. I was getting bogged down. I was burnt out. I needed to know not just going into work for a paycheck, but to have a meaning behind it. Um, luckily enough, I found an ad on some random LinkedIn pop-up thing that came up and was like, do you have a purpose? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so I clicked on it. I started, it was an ad for, uh, for a recruiter firm who was looking for the association world. And that's how I got into them. And I haven't been able to leave. Although my husband reminds me every day that the money might be better on the other side. And I'm like, yeah, but I have a purpose now. <laughs> it sounds like you've been on the other side and you've seen what that looks like and still willing to come over to, to the association side. So you can just tell him, been there, done that, right? Yeah, definitely. I remind him a lot. <laughs> so um, you said, you know, you were scrolling through something, an ad popped up, probably some AI-based ad, which we'll come back to later. But um, tell us a little bit about, I mean, use of brand engagement means uh, marketing director, maybe, right? All marketing directors have to think about brand and, and maybe vice versa. So tell us a little bit about how you see brand and how that may or may not differ from sort of your corporate experience in the past. Yeah, so I mean... When everybody thinks of brand, they think of, oh, well, maybe, I don't know. When I think of brand, <laughs> I think of fonts, the usage of a logo, you know, you have your little brand guide, anybody who has purchased outside advertisements or worked for an ad firm, they always go, oh, do you have a brand guide? Um, and so you just push it over there. But brand is so much more. It's about how you speak to people. It's how you represent the company that you're working for, the organization, it's about the messages that you're putting off. It's to understand that your members are a part of your association for one reason, and you need to make sure that that reason is the same reason why they joined. It can always grow, flourish, you know, uh, become better as the time goes on, but it has to stick within certain perimeters, I would say. Um, and I think also for the difference between like just a normal marketing director is they're really based solely on communications. I work with my counterpart who is a lot of education content wise, and she kind of keeps me in line of, okay, so this is what we're going to talk about, but then I frame it in how the brand should be represented. So a lot of marketing directors have like a communications department too. We don't have that, which I think is really interesting about the association I work for we made it into something that works for us, um, especially because we're only eight people. And so it, it kind of just flows better. I think it gives me more of a purpose, a sense of knowing what 
um, what I'm putting out there. And then also when volunteers come through, we are like, you're a brand ambassador. You have to represent this brand here. These are the rules and guidelines. Don't go around it. Um, and it kind of just like sets a, a good stepping stone for what they're getting in, themselves into. I'm not a marketing director. I appreciate all things marketing. I think that marketing kind of, it rules the world in a lot of ways, but I don't think of the brand guidelines. I, I tend to think of, and we talk pre-show, like I tend to think of the Apples and the Nikes, those that really focus on kind of conjuring up a feeling and, and some of it is conscious. Some of it is subconscious or unconscious. Like people think Nike and they think and feel something or people see Apple mm -hmm. logo and they think or feel something. Do you, do you look through that lens or how often does that come to mind as you're developing for your association? Yeah. I mean, when you think Nike, you think just do it. Um, yeah. Like it's the first thing that ever comes through your mind. When you think of like Amazon, you think, oh, I can get this really fast. Yep. Um, you know, that's that kind of, that's that brand awareness that a lot of people just don't realize that they're doing. It's an un, it's a, um, it's a subconscious way of thinking of things. And so initially, I mean, that takes years and years of, of branding something. Yeah. Um, but once you get those colors right, you get like everything is blue in the corporate world, right? Well, maybe you don't know that, but everything is blue. I do and, now. <laughs> so, now I'll be looking for it everywhere in the corporate world. But when you look for it, there's like different shades and tints and hints of blue. And that's what they're branding for. So when you're looking at an association, you can look at something red and know that's more than likely, you know, this type of association or when you're looking at something. So we're green, which I don't understand. I still don't. And I worked for this association for four years, but they're green. They've decided that way before I even came around. Okay. Um, and so I was about to say, if you don't like it, I feel like that's kind of your fault, but let's move on. Well, it's not that I don't like it. You have to own it, right? Yeah, I don't, do. we haven't gotten there yet. So we are an older association. We've been around since the seventies. So maybe that's why green was big in the seventies, but um, <laughs> I don't, I just made that up. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thought process is, is that once you have this brand, so we use, we went from uh, Kerr is in the academia world, um, higher institutions that, you know, faculty, provosts, higher up, they speak in these large words, you get lost in it a lot. But ultimately, that's who they are. And so you can't really switch that. So you have to look at what the brand can do around that without losing who the people are. And I think that Kerr does that great thing, because Yes, the meetings that we put on are really professional. We bring in experts. They talk amazingly to other people. They spread this great realm of knowledge. But the marketing emails are meant to be in conversational text because how else are you supposed like, could you imagine reading a scholarly journal as your marketing email? You would get so bored and lost and you would never know what to do. So I feel like that's kind of where I come in is that I make things, every marketer is going to cringe when I say this, but like I make things pretty and I make things dumbed down and I make things relatable. Yeah. Relatable, easily, easy to digest. Right. I mean, there's another yes. way to, to frame There you go. Yeah. Great. It's a Monday. So at the, at, 
I mean, not everybody can do what Elon did, right? And just like wipe the brand off the face of the map and completely start all over. And maybe you'd like to do that. But what I heard you say is you're not going to do that. No, so no, um, have you thought about, are there, you know, there's, there are people in your position in the market right now that go, oh, I do want to change this. How do we, how do we work that in? And over what period of time, it's not overnight, but it's not 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've looked at Starbucks as an amazing example, they took a logo. If you look at the the range of the years and the logo changes, mm-hmm. it's technically the same logo. It's just a little slightly different as it grows. And now I think it's just a silhouette. But the um, the idea there is that the brand was really big. Everybody knew it. And so that color of green with the white cup was a big thing. And then in the winter, it's the red cup. Um, those things are known. And so when you want to change something, you can't just wipe it away because then you're going to make people super confused and just leave. And I mean, maybe that's what you want to do, but there's a whole scientific, I'm sure scientific, like strategy behind a logo and, to think of how you're going to change it, you have to do it in bits and pieces and changing it just slightly so that the eye catches it. It's noticeable, but it's not like a shock factor. Um, and you can do it, you know, over the years. It costs associations and companies in the corporate world tons and tons of money. But I mean, if you have that type of money, go for it. I'm all for it. I don't. Did- <laughs> Well, that's a good question. Like the budgets around marketing, I mean, I've, they differ greatly within the association mm-hmm. market. But I mean, what was your experience coming from corporate to associations? Like, was there was there a great difference in the amount of budget that was allocated to marketing? And you know, how did how did you sort of take that transition? In the corporate world, a lot of places have its own business development. Not all associations have that department. So you're constantly getting a, a revenue in no matter what. It's always yeah. sales. So your marketing budget is, of course, going to be tons more than anything in the association world. I mean, that's just plain logic. Yeah. Um, however, you can definitely tell the difference in the association world of those who have a larger budget and those who don't. And then those who don't have a large budget and are just really creative in their ways. And I think those are the most impressive people. So where, where do you focus then your efforts? Like smaller association, eight people, set budget. Where do you all typically focus your budget? And then what is, what's the goal that you're chasing in your specific instance? Um, I mean, everyone's always chasing money, right? Well, <laughs> so you can't say now. Like, yeah. Is it, is it members? Is it dues? Is it non-dues? Is it specifically within non-dues, right? That branches out to a lot of different things from advertising, sponsors, you have, you have events. So normally an association breaks down in the simplest terms, you have 60-40. So whether that be 60% events and 40% membership or a flip-flopped. Um, I think for us, it flip-flops yearly. It's not a, a set thing, um, which is interesting. Maybe other people in my association would think differently. Um, but I think that for budget wise, we try to keep it where there's a certain percentage of each revenue that we're trying to get in for an event, we put back into marketing. 
I am a sole believer that you can't make money without spending money, but you also have to spend that money very wisely. Um, however, I think I said this before that I am a risk taker and I like to prove myself wrong and things. So I am the first person to push that button and say, let's just do this ad. We've never done it before. And I think, you know, looking at it statistically, we could do really well, or we could just learn from it. Um, cause I don't necessarily think everything is a failure if it's not what you wanted it to be. So I think that regardless of that budget wise, you just have to be smart about it. Mar- marketing is the first budget to always get cut, of course, but I'm always there fighting for it because again, you can't make money unless you spend it. It takes money to make money. That's like the old mm-hmm. adage. It's a hundred percent true. Like you have to spend money in marketing to bring in more programs, bring in more members, create more events in order to create that. Nothing could be more true. So you, you a couple of things you you mentioned your risk taker, um, you mentioned mistakes, and so we chatted a little bit before the show, and I said, "Would you be willing to share a mistake?" You said yes. So this is this is kind of your time, and I feel like I teed a couple of those keywords up for that, but I'll I'll let you share. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a human, so I make mistakes on a daily basis. Yep. Um, who yeah. doesn't? And if someone says they don't, then. Then their mistake is just want to meet right? them. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they're just a really good liar. Yeah. Um, but my biggest mistake was when I first started in the industry. So I said this before I started in the corporate world and I just wanted to grow. I mean, you're fresh out of grad school. You just want to make that money, right? You got a lot of bills back at home. You want to make sure that you're in space that people are respecting you, but I went at it the wrong way. Somebody told me to never say no, it just wasn't, it shouldn't be in your vocabulary. And so I just kept saying yes. And I found myself so burnt out, whether I was working every day, seven days a week, or I was making more mistakes because I just kept saying yes, because I wanted to prove myself. And then I wasn't proving myself. I was proving that I wasn't worthy of the job because I was so tired. It wasn't as creative um, I have a background in graphic design. And so a lot of that stuff, I would be like, oh yeah, I could totally do that on top of my other millions of things that I have to work on. And so it would just come out and I was like, wow, like if you look back at, or I do, I look back at my stuff and I'm like, like a five, my five-year-old could have made a better design than that on a computer at this age. But it was just because you were so burnt out and you were just constantly saying yes to be that go-to person. And honestly, people were taking advantage of it. Um, Advantage of me, I should say. And then one day, and it sucks because I don't remember who the person was. Honestly, I probably said flowers. (laughs) (laughs) But they were like, you know, you can say no, that is a word. And I was like, yeah, I know it's a word, but I can't say it because look at me, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. And then the more I realized it, I was like, okay, I'm just going to say no. And then the more it came naturally, it would just like flow out of my mouth. No. (laughs) And then I started rising in the ranks and I started earning more respect and my work started really showing off what I could actually do. Um, I wasn't spreading myself so thin that I was more innovative. I was more creative my campaigns were bringing in much more money than I thought I could do. Um, And I realized that no was actually me saying yes, but in a different way, because I was saying no to things that I didn't feel weren't worthy of my time and yes to things that I felt like I could really succeed at, or I wanted to 
you know, test myself or push myself for. Yeah. I, so that was I'm, my mistake. I've also <laughs> made that that same mistake. And, and one of the things that makes me most passionate about in my current position in the market is as a fractional resource for associations that has very specialized services is I 100% believe that association executives that are wearing, and they all do, eight to 12 hats will find so much relief and so much value in taking that hat off, especially if it's not something that either they want to do or is like really part of their core self, right? Like you may be the greatest graphic designer in all time, but you have other things that you're really passionate about too. And so simply just like taking off the graphic design hat and handing it to somebody else who's just wants to do nothing else. It's good for them and it's good for you. And ultimately, as you said, the organization will get better because it will give you opportunities as you say no to do better work in other areas and get more creative. Like that's the thing. Like when you have to wear eight hats and you have to switch your mindset back and forth so many times throughout the day, I mean, science tells us one, it's just extremely inefficient, but two, it's just exhausting. Yeah, no, definitely. And I felt that as I did grow, I had a team and I have direct reports that I, when I said no, I was basically protecting them. Cause if I said yes, like it was basically going to them. Right. And they were going to end up doing it. And I just felt like, Oh no, I know my team. I know that they're worthy of much more than what I'm saying. Like, yes, there are some things that are just like menial tasks that need to get done. And you can't technically say no to them as much as I want to every day but they have to get done, right? Like those admin tasks, those little things that just are really annoying. They have to get done in order to make the association work. Um, but the bigger ones, like when someone says, oh, on Friday at 5 p.m. before everyone, at 4.58 before everyone clocks out, like, oh, I just thought of this great idea and I really need you to run a campaign over the weekend. It's like, no, if it was that great of an idea, it would have came to you earlier or it could wait for the next week and we can talk about it more. Speaking about getting more efficient, taking things off, you mentioned you're a small organization and I didn't like make these transitions up. This is just happens naturally, which is great. <laughs> so you mentioned like you're eight of eight people, you guys do 12 events. Did I get that right? Yeah. And so one of, I won't say it's a hat you've taken off, but one of the things that you've learned to do to maximize your time is just sort of lean into the AI the idea of that, the tools that are out there. So you had shared with me before the show, you guys had just come out of a, like a meeting, a conference where you were talking about this and, and you were like, no, this is great. We're doing this. And I would love for you to tell us just a little bit more about how you do that, why you do that. And then what's, what's maybe some of the pushback that we hear that might be somewhat familiar. Yeah. So AI is, um, I guess it could be a scary word for some. For me, I think I embraced it well. I'm still learning. It's a growing thing that's coming out. I feel like ChatGPT is such an old word to say now because it came out wow, like so many months ago that people are like, oh, I'm over it. Um, but you know, honestly, we are in a, a small association. We have eight or a, a small staff for an association. We have eight people on our staff. Um, and so when we need things done, we need them done quickly. As you mentioned, we do 12 events. That means that I'm constantly working on a minimum of three events a day um, on top of membership. And then with membership comes different volunteers, all those different departments that fall under there. Um, and so, you know, as a human, 
you cannot physically make your brain switch every 30 minutes to a different targeted audience or switch to a different event. It's just physically impossible. And if someone can do that, please let me know. I want to know all the secrets, <laughs> but you can't, um, to my knowledge. And so ChatGPT came to me months and months ago about, oh, did you know you could write? Uh, okay, actually, this is the real story. So I was sitting at an event. We were monitoring it. My colleague says to me, it would be so cool if you did a reel where there's a professor asking their student about how they learned about this event that we we're at, which is called Encur. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my event. There it is. And then, <laughs> so I said, oh, that would be cool, but I don't have time to write a script. And she was like, no, we should totally, you just put it into chat GPT. I'll we'll write it for you. So we're sitting there in this plenary, clearly not paying attention. And she pulls out her phone, pulls up chat GPT and puts in like the things like student 18 to 21 years old, a professor of, I think we put in like some type of STEM, maybe chemistry or something. And then we add like a few, it asks you for a few things about like what you're doing, like the name of your event or what you want to sell. Yep. And so we pressed like go, I think was what it was. And it comes up with the script and I'm not even kidding. (laughs) It was so good. Like for a draft script, I was like, wow, that took maybe a full 60 seconds to do (laughs) that night. I looked it over. I clearly am a human. So I put more emotion into the script. I put it together. I made a reel. I'm, I have kids, so I know how to make reels. And, um, I put it together and I was like, this is amazing. Okay. We got it done. Something that would have taken hours to think about brainstorming, going through, making sure it was correct. Then putting it through all this stuff. It took me, you know, 15 minutes in my hotel room to put together. And from that moment on, I was like, this is life changing. I never felt in the least bit threatened buy it at all. I didn't think immediately, oh, it's going to take my job from me. No, I just thought I just made my life so much easier by doing this. And so then since forth, we need an email. I'm burnt out or I have a million other things to do. I got uh, meetings all day. You just put it in there of your guidelines. Yes. I will say it comes out as a draft. Please do not use the exact wording it gives you. Disclaimer, um, we'll add something into the post later yeah. too for this. Uh, Asterisk, <laughs> do not do this. We do not assume the liability for oh. any guests who use ChatGPT. Yeah, thank or you. plagiarism. There, there it was, yeah. <laughs> um, but it just made it so much simpler. And then from there, like sometimes do I pull it up every day? No. Sometimes I just take the same email that I have and rearrange that email to make it a little bit different or, you know, uh, another colleague of mine will do that too. It doesn't matter, but it gets done and it makes things so much easier. It basically gives you a really strong outline of where you need to be and you can fill in the blanks because that doesn't take as much effort. So I'm all about it. Yeah, I I get a little miffed. I don't know what the right word would be. Uh, it, it's a little cringeworthy when somebody says like, oh, it's going to take my job because Really, I have yet to find that person who can be completely replaced necessarily. Like, so take an example. Let's say your job is content writer. Okay, great. And you can write 
three pieces of content, really good content pieces reviewed a day. So you have a maximum output of three a day. Well, who couldn't use more content? Like, what if you could use this tool and create five times as much content in a day and edit it and still like, your, your job just, you actually were able to produce more just using the tool. And like, let's say your event, let's say you have eight people on staff, for example. Well, eight people on staff without any tools could maybe run three or four events a year, but you throw in some tools and all of a sudden, all of a sudden your association can run 12 events yeah. a year, right? I mean, you, I think you, really? mentioned, you couldn't do that. Could you do it without it? I mean, if, me? Yeah, totally. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think physically we would be mentally stable if we didn't have these tools. And it's not just AI, it's other tools too. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. And it's, I always think about it like um, when you call up a place to pay your water bill or your Comcast bill or whatever it may be, sometimes you just want to know if you can get that bill lower or whatever it may be. And they don't have a computer for that. It's always going to be a no, right? So you just want to talk to somebody. And that's the whole conversation that I came from last week was humans being human or humaning. Gosh, I wish I knew what the right words were, but it was something along those lines. And it was that you can't ever get rid of a human, no matter what it is. Customer experience and customer service is always going to be there. Yes. Could you make it easier for people by the FAQs being generated to a computer? Yeah, Yeah. 100%. But we have a person on staff who we have a million FAQs. She has them. It's easy to read off of. Um, But there's going to be at least twice to three times a, a day that somebody calls and has a different question that's not on those FAQs. So a computer cannot help you. And instead of getting them so frustrated, they just pick up the phone and then they talk to a human and it's like, Oh, now I feel so much better about myself. And I think to make it full, a full circle, that's what our brand is about is that we needed a human there. Yes. We have eight people on staff, so we need to do things efficiently and uh, we need to be productive in, in how we're working. And so this is what makes us productive is you utilizing AI in a way that we still have a human there. We're not, losing jobs, but we're not as beneficial as a 50 to a hundred person association where you have like 10 to 15 people on customer service. No, we don't have that. Yeah. And on the development side, so like at Big Red M, for example, they're selling, let's just say we're working with an association, helping them sell sponsorships. You can come up with really good AI generated, even campaigns to sell $500 sponsorships, $2,000 sponsorships, but I don't know that we've really created even the, the most beautiful, pretty, as you said, campaign is going to sell a $100,000 sponsor, right? That person Correct. just wants to talk to a person, right? Mm-hmm. And as we should, we need to learn more about that relationship. Why are you spending six, seven figures on a sponsorship for this event? Tell us more. Who do you want to meet? Like they do that because they want to meet a human, like not a lot spend hundred thousand plus dollars to have their logo on the escalators only. Right. I also want to be in front of people. I also want to meet people. I want, I want introductions to the board, right? That's what they're really after with all that is. And and I think, 
money too. Like, I mean, look at the economy that we're living in. Things are super expensive, but a lot of people want to know that what they're paying for is worth it and that the value is still there. A computer cannot do that for you. You have got to, I mean, case in point, you got to hold their hand. You have to make them feel comfortable that what they're doing, especially in sponsorships is that you're a partner with them, that you're not going to let them fail, even though they've written this humongous check to you. Yeah. that you're still going to hold their hand and make sure that they're happy with what they paid for. And I feel like if you put that into a, or on a computer, that's just, it's, you're never going to get that sponsor back and they're not going to be very happy. Good as it gets, it will all still have the perception of being a little cold. If once they know yeah. that it's just completely AI to a degree. Mm-hmm. One thing we talked about also pre-show was you were playing with an idea. I don't know that it's come to fruition yet of, creating videos using AI and maybe executive (laughs) likeness. And I just thought that was so cool. And I don't know that it's there yet or developed, but I mean, tell us, just tell us about where this come from. Are you going to do it? (laughs) So what is that? There was a company that had those Super Bowl commercials of the baby. And then this like man's voice came out of it. It was so funny. I loved those commercials so much. E-Trade, I think it was. Um, and so I, you know, that was many moons ago. I was in a recent professional development workshop that they brought up this idea of showing, I think it was a famous person. I want to say it was Johnny Depp and they just brought up his picture. You know, he had that trial not too Mm -hmm. long ago. So his voice is very familiar. That's it's all, I mean, in movies as well, but his recent voice and his tone, you can find it on the internet. So they took that and then they wrote out a script, probably using ChatGPT or some other AI. And then they made this picture. It's a still picture. And they made it into a video of looks like his mouth is moving to the words. And it was his voice coming out of it, but their words. I immediately was like, this is a gold mine. Like, that's amazing. I have so much. It's, it takes a long time to get, on people's schedules to get a video, to get that content, to get their script right, to have them approve of it, all those stages. I'm sure many people feel that like video is a major thing right now because people want that fast content that they can just see. Sometimes they even want a transcript of it. That's great, but they want to be able to hear it. I mean, how many times are you on Kindle Unlimited and download the audio version instead of the book? Maybe that's just me, but that was a good example. Um, But the idea is, is that videos or audio content is really helpful. So I, my EO and I were talking and they're like, you should do these videos. It would be amazing. So I have not published any, but our board of directors are very busy. They're, you know, higher up in their careers. They are you know, basically running institutions. They're doing a lot of important work. They don't have time to settle down. And if they did have time, it might not be time that I could fit in or however, vice versa. So I took a picture of our president and I have her voice from previous recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have the tone and I set up a script and I did it. And it was just amazing. I felt like <laughs> this was the new world. I have not gotten it approved by her. I have not shown it to anybody. So that's why it's not published. But I do feel like in the future, that is where I'm going to be going with my video content because it was so easy. 
Um, and how long, how long it, did it take you? It was my first time, so probably an hour. Okay. Without it being my first time, I would probably say, and like, you know, going through edits and stuff and making sure that the voice is what she wants it to be or the tone of what she wants it to be. Yeah. I would probably say I could probably do it within 45 minutes or less. Um, once I get the hang of it, yeah, it was so easy. I, I feel like what what's that other thing? It's so easy a caveman can do it. Right. The Geico stuff, yeah. Honestly, I've <laughs> clearly I listen to brands because I just rattled off a, bit, a million in this interview. Well, and how 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 close to a, you know, like a really quality deep fake do you think you could get that with a little practice? I mean, well, is it, is it one of these like where it's obvious that, you know, you're faking it and the mouth doesn't move or do you feel like there's tools out there that can get you really, really close to a video that could pass as, as her? There's tools. Yeah. However, it's the picture. If the picture is like a little weird, it has to be one, a really high quality picture. So we have a yeah. professional photographer who comes. That's why it looks really good the first time. But give me like three or four videos. I bet you I could be a professional on it. Wow. It would look so good. I'm also very self-confident though. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just encouraging for other folks. Like it, you've tried this a couple of times and you've made video and you're confident enough in that, that a little bit more practice. I mean, I think some people think that you need to go to school for a whole semester or that you have to be some coding genius in order to be able to do these things that there's, yeah, that no. they're so difficult. And you, it sounds like, you know, a little bit enough to, and then just start playing around with it. Is that fair? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say that I've been in the AI realm for a little bit of time. So I feel more comfortable than maybe somebody sure. who's just stepping foot, but it's, it's definitely easy. They, if you find a really good like program or platform to use, a lot of them are free, which is great. Um, some of them that you have to pay for clearly are going to be a little easier to work with. Um, but they kind of just map it out. You need a good, so I should put a disclaimer on this though. Another one. <laughs> We have all types of discussions in this episode. <laughs> the video was only a minute long, maybe not even. It was like an opening bumper, which is yeah. what it was meant to be an opening bumper. So if you're going to do like a longer video, clearly it would not take you 45 minutes to do. It would take you longer. Yeah. Um, but this was supposed to be like a welcome. I am yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah. I hope you enjoy your time type of thing. Very quick. That's good. Short form, easy to digest. That's the way of the world. Yeah, I wonder, well, this is where the disclaimer comes in is that I wonder if you were to do like a speech, how fake it would look because the face isn't like your hands not moving. When I talk, right. I move my hands. That's not happening. It's like, that's, I mean, you Just can't see my body, very, but it's very still. I mean, there's probably some a little, a little bit of body movement to it as well. But for the most part, it's from a still image. And... Very. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll, you'll have to report back and let us know how this goes. And, or when we post this at some point in the future, just like maybe I'll tag it yeah. and put a tag in there and put a link to the video. I think that would be amazing. And it if, would be cool. Maybe I'll really do it. Also include some of the tools that you use to create. Cause I know people would love to um, like to know what you're using outside of chat GPT for some of this stuff. And 
Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to, this is the point in the show where I wrap us up, but I do get to ask you, Elizabeth, um, do you have somebody else in mind that you think our audience would benefit from hearing from? Yeah, a good friend of mine, her name is Sarah Hussey, and she is an EO for um, a medical society up in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. Um, she graduated with me as a next gen 2019, I think was our year. Mm -hmm. um, I meet with her all the time. And I think she's a fantastic person. She has a totally different outlook than I do. So I, I think it's great to always meet with her and kind of bounce off ideas. We appreciate you sharing the name and your time and your thoughts and ideas and wisdom. Really appreciate it. And thank you again for joining us. Yeah, no problem. It was great talking with you.